It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Welcome to Quantum number 148. And I thought with the COVID crisis ongoing, it's it's good to catch up with what's going on in different countries. And one country that is causing a great deal of concern is Nepal, where the Indian variant has come over. There's an open border. I didn't realize this, but there is an open border between India and Nepal. And initially, Nepal had done really well. But here is uh, Suraj Kasula, who's a pastor in Nepal, telling us just a little bit about this. The main cause of the rapid spread of virus is that the government allowed some religious festival just before this chaotic situation. All government, also government is blamed for not tightening the open borders with India. As a result, many Nepali migrant workers brought virus into Nepal when they fled India. The situation is uncontrollable as Nepal's health care is very poor. The country has about 30 million people and there are only about 1600 intensive care beds and fewer than 600 ventilators for its population. There are 0.7 doctors per thousand people, a lower rate than India. So, hospital beds are packed with COVID patients and there is lack of oxygen. This is really tough for a small, poor country like Nepal. It's an extremely situ- serious situation. There are more than half a million cases, uh, 7,000 deaths. The increase in COVID has been 12,000% in the past few weeks. Only 7% have been vaccinated, whereas nearby Bhutan has vaccinated 93%. Please do pray for Nepal, and we, we hope and pray this play will be over soon. Something else that's going on in our world, there's an attack. I'm thinking in this podcast of attacks that are occurring on humanity. And obviously, COVID is a, uh, a disease attack. But there's a, another kind of attack as well, and that is in terms of language. You know how in the Bible, humanity was messed up with the Tower of Babel? And here we're, we're, we're kind of getting this, this new Babylon, the way that language is being abused and changed. Now, there's some pushback against that, and the French have... <laughs> just prohibited the use of gender-inclusive language, asserting that it harms the process of learning the French language. You know, so if, if you learned French at school, you remember it was le and la, masculine and feminine, and so on. But now the education ministry has sent out a decree to schools saying that midpoints, which are period-like dots that are placed in the middle of the words, separating most of the word from its ending, that that has to stop that gender-inclusive words are actually harmful to the French language. So, I wonder if you knew this, in in French, a group 
masculine endings are usually more prevalent in nouns. So a group of friends, including five women and one man, would be written as ami, but a midpoint would change the spelling of the word to am and the dot, A-M-I dot E dot S. So uh, inclusive, inclusive writing is to be uh, avoided. Well, good for the French. In fact, this is our national anthem for the week. I think this is one of the greatest national anthem, anthems of all time. Although it's also the most bloodthirsty um, about bathing themselves in the blood of their opponents. But still, La Marseillaise. Okay, and there was an attack on language, attack in terms of disease, and then I think there's an attack on human beings as created, as the Bible tells us, male and female, in the image of God. Here is Demi Lovato, uh, who describes herself as a 28-year-old pansexual pop star. I want to take this moment to share something very personal with you. Over the past year and a half, I've been doing some healing and self-reflective work. And through this work, I've had the revelation that I identify as non-binary. With that said, I'll officially be changing my pronouns to they, them. I feel that this best represents the fluidity I feel in my gender expression and allows me to feel most authentic and true to the person I both know I am and still am discovering. In this first episode, I'm excited to share with you what this means to me and what it may look like for other people. I want to make it clear that I'm still learning and coming into myself, and I don't claim to be an expert or a spokesperson. I know this might be a new conversation for many, so I'm inviting my friend Alok, someone I trust to spend time on this platform. Alok is an author, performer, and an important voice within the non-binary community and beyond. Their work to create visibility, equality, and understanding has inspired me on my healing journey. We'll discuss identity at large, but also take the time to personally reflect on how I came into my truth so that we, like many others, are able to live our lives authentically. Wow, you you know, you have to feel really sorry for her in some ways. Her, him, um, I'm not quite sure what pronouns. Uh, living in the fourth dimension is, is how she describes herself. She wants to do healing and self-reflective work. She had a revelation, or her pronouns are they, them. Um, there, there's a fluidity in who I am, most authentic to the person I know I am, and I'm still discovering, coming into myself. Now, one of the sad things about this is just how narcissistic and self-obsessed it is. And that, again, is reflective of so much in our culture. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. By the way, I mentioned earlier the reflections that... Uh, People were using language. Well, Google Docs, I just got sent an article from Google Docs where um, they're wanting people to write with gender-free language. 
And then just to tie in how this pervades so much of our culture and particularly the corporate culture, Lego, the Danish company, of course, the Bricks, you, you all know the Bricks, they've announced the release of their first LGBTQ set entitled Everyone is Awesome. Our brand values of fun and creativity and learning and quality and imagination apply to absolutely everybody. And that's why we've created a set like this to say we want to include everybody, no matter how young or old you are, what gender um, you are, Legos for everybody. And we just wanted to make sure that, that everyone around the world knows that. Basically, it's the rainbow colors and what they think are the trans colors and various other things. Um, the CEO of the company said that it wanted a new set because it embraced love and inclusivity and that children are our role models and they welcome everyone, no matter their background. Well, of course, when our elites talk about love and inclusivity, they don't mean that. They mean love, and I'm not even sure they can define that, but they mean inclusivity for those who share their views. They don't mean inclusivity for people or views or groups that they don't like. Well, here's an amazing statistic that I, I was astounded by. And I had to go and check it a couple of times, but it is true. Last year, there were more than one million hospital admissions for guess what in England? Obesity. Now that affects COVID because apparently the more obese you are, the more likely you are to be seriously ill with COVID. Um, being overweight is one of the most significant risk factors for severe COVID. But obesity, you know, we, we need to think actually in just in general more carefully about it. I, just at a personal level, I need to think. I mean, I walk past so many food shops. It's just so tempting just to eat all the time. There's so much snack food and you know, maybe maybe it's not a bad idea. In fact, it's a very good idea to discipline ourselves. I guess from for me, I have to begin with me, don't it? Uh, and so do others of us who have a, pro a problem. I'm my BMI is higher than it should be. It's not at the obese stage, but a million hospital visits. Wow. And then we've said this many times before, but it's just more and more played on my mind that there is a lab in Wuhan which is creating viruses for biological warfare and it's in Wuhan that COVID-19 or as Donald Trump would call it the China virus has has come from now for me that's hugely significant and not least because this week we discovered from the Americans that three researchers from the Wuhan Institute of Virology became sick in November 2019 to the degree that they sought hospital care. And now the US are somewhat belatedly, I think, calling for an, an inquiry into all of this. It is this, this disease that has caused so much havoc, so much havoc. I do wonder if it did come from bats, or even if it did, whether it was being studied in that institute at this time. Now, one of the great things about being human, you know, we're, we, we've got language, we've got our, our health insofar as, as we have it. We've got the fact that we're male and female, and we've also got music. 
Well, here are the winners of the Eurovision Song Contest. That's the Italian group, Manskin. Well, not really. As regards metal music, it's pretty tame. I'm not really all that keen on it. I can't stand Eurovision, uh, even as a, a kind of joke show. But one one group did intrigue me, and that is from Cyprus with the Greek singer Elena Tis... I can't even pronounce her, her second name. Sorry, beg your pardon. But she had a song called El Diablo, The Devil. And um, it has... It, I, I quite like this. Cyprus has got the record for the most participations without a win. I'm breaking the rules. I gave my heart to the devil because he tells me I'm his angels. Now, the Greek Orthodox Church, the Cyprus Orthodox Church, has complained about it, saying it's blasphemous, that the song essentially praises the fatalistic submission of humans to the devil's authority at the expense of the island's history, culture, and traditions. Well, I think they have a point. We've gone from the, the wonders of Greek culture to I gave my heart to the devil. Um... It's a rubbish song anyway, but it's funny. I, I do think the dumbing down and demeaning of of popular culture, it is quite significant. Uh, by the way, the United Kingdom got zero points, which, of course, was nothing to do with the fact that the UK has left the EU and people were making political points. They would never do that on Eurovision. Well, all right, let's come on to this, um, the growth of anti-Semitism. Now, first of all, listen to a bit of this report. Flicking through social media, you can't fail to see discussions around Gaza and Israel. There once was a land called Palestine where Christians, Muslims and Jews lived fine. Many who are angry, many with opposing views, many asking questions. But why does much of the celebrity world continue to stay silent on the situation? Our expectations around 
public statements from celebrities regarding current events have very much shifted. The Hadith sisters both have Palestinian heritage through their father and have been vocal about their support for Palestinians. But it was this video that led to condemnation from Israel's official Twitter page. The accusation from Israel is extremely serious. They claim she's advocating for Jews to be thrown in the sea. Let's watch the video again. While Israel has labeled the chant as anti-Semitic, the slogan has been used by Palestinian activists across the world, and it refers to the River Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea, which formed the boundaries of Palestine after World War I, and part of which became the State of Israel. This video circulated online showed an Israeli store removing posters of Hadid in protest at her stance. And she's off. Bella insists she's in no way advocating That is the digital journalist, digital journalist Tala Halawa, who was reporting there on the model Bella Hadib's views on the issues, and she's been involved very much in reporting on the Arabic website, the BBC World Service as well. Now, the BBC, in all these, is meant to show impartiality and rigorous journalism. But Halawa put out a, a controversy, a tweet, comparing the Israeli government, the Israelis, to Hitler. And this isn't the first time she's done that. Back in July 2014, she tweeted, Israel is more Nazi than Hitler. Oh, Hitler was right. IDF go to hell. Pray for Gaza. Your media is produced by your Zionist government in order to produce ignorant people. Zionists can't get enough of our blood. They're crying the Holocaust every single moment, but they're practicing it every single moment as well. How, how can someone like that remain as a BBC journalist? Well, we shall see. Brendan O'Neill has a rather excellent article. I'll put a link to it on the website on just the inconsistency in reporting and the way that concern for the Palestinian people is being used to foster anti-Semitism. And he makes a very valid point and where he talks about how the Turks have just started uh, another attack on the Kurdish people. Dozens of Kurdish people have been killed or captured. And O'Neill asks, have you seen any footballers wave the Kurdish flag in solidarity with displaced, terrified Kurds? Have you seen social media swamped by furious denunciations of the bloodthirsty Turks and outpourings of love and concern for the brutalized Kurds? No. No. We haven't. And he asked this very legitimate question. Why does Israeli militarism offend and horrify you more than Turkish militarism? Or Saudi militarism? Or American and British militarism? Why is it genocide and war crimes and bloodletting when Israel takes actions against Palestinian militants, but not when Turkey takes action against Kurdish militants? What's the answer? I suspect we know. The Church of Scotland General Assembly has been on, and, you know, I'm reluctant to comment on it, but I tell you what, let's begin with the best part of it.
That was from a previous assembly, uh, the traditional singing of Psalm 24 at the time of communion. Now I have, I'm a bit of an assembly geek, so I listened to much of the Free Church Assembly and much of the Church of Scotland one. And I have to say, as regards the Church of Scotland one, I, I listened with enormous sorrow. The downward trend of that church continues. They are apparently, in fact they have, eva approved a proposal to remove the phrase husband and wife from the rights of marriage. So right now, the marriage formalization states the parties covenant together to take each other as husband and wife as long as they both shall live and the minister declares the parties to be husband and wife. And this is to be changed to the parties covenant together to take each other in marriage as long as they both shall live. And the minister or deacon declares the parties to be married. This is done uh, as the church is more and more. Uh, it's going to approve the solemnization of same-sex marriages. It's drawing up a liturgy for it. Uh, this has been happening over 10 years. 10 years ago, I said it would happen and was roundly mocked for saying it. It gives me no joy at all to see that prophecy being fulfilled. And there are other issues involved as well. I mean, I listened to the assembly and it might as well have been a political assembly. There was so little mention of the Bible and Jesus and, you know, the things the church is supposed to be about. It's little wonder that there is continuing falling membership and the church decided to cut 200 posts and take the number of its full-time ministers down to 600. But there's, you know, things aren't all bad. There is a fight back as well. And there are politicians and there are others who seek to do what is right. And there are those who are Christians as well. For example, probably the second most powerful politician in Scotland is Kate Forbes, the Scottish finance minister. And here she is being interviewed uh, by the BBC's Nick Robinson. But what's interesting is I notice you hesitate about that word I used, calling. You know only too well, even though you were quite young at the time, that Alistair Campbell famously said, we don't do God. Are you reticent? Do you feel under pressure to not do God, to keep, as it were, your faith and your belief separate and private? I don't think any of us in politics are ultimately private citizens. So we bring everything into the job with us. And I think it's ludicrous to suggest otherwise. You know, I, I studied history. The first thing you're taught is that every historian has some form of bias or prejudice filter and they filter what they write through that. So I don't think any politician is an island. They are informed and influenced by their upbringing, their experiences, their gifts, etc. And the same with me. I do, however, recognise my responsibility to represent all my constituents. And some of them will agree with my politics, others will disagree. Some will agree with my faith, others will disagree. I have a duty to represent them, but neither do I want to deceive my, my, my constituents. And I think being straight with them about my faith, about who I am, about my background, is really important. You know, I, I, I'm a woman. I can't take that part away from me. I'm also a Christian. I can't take that part away from me. I understand that. But I think if I talked to Kate Forbes, if I could have done 40, 50 years ago, if I talked to a Kate Forbes equivalent in the United States, she would say with pride, 
Faith is vital to my values. The message of Jesus Christ is why I'm here. It's what I believe in. And there'd be millions of people in the country, Christians, but also non-Christians, people of faith, who say, well, here, here, thank goodness for that. And I sense, for reasons I can guess at, a kind of nervousness of bringing it centrally into who you are. Yeah, I mean, to be straight, I believe in the person of Jesus Christ. I believe that he died for me, he saved me, and that my um, calling is to serve and to love him and to serve and love my neighbours with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. So, you know, that for me is is essential to my being and politics will pass. You know, I'm, I am a person before I was a politician and that person is, you know, will continue to believe that I am made in the image of God. It's very unusual to hear a leading politician to talk in that way. I love that. I just, there's so many things. I've written an article about it. You can have a look at it. Uh, there are some people, as she points out, who don't like her because of her politics and other people who don't like her because of her faith. But we pray for her. And, and it was lovely to hear a politician just be so open about her faith in Jesus Christ. mentioned this in the last two podcasts so let's go to town on this one i keep saying it was bob dylan's 80th birthday well it was this monday it's his 80th birthday and i thought you know what i'm gonna do i was gonna there's so many different songs i can mention but these are the five songs that i would consider to be my top five at least just now first of all this one oh where have you been my blue-eyed son And where have you been, my darling young one? I've stumbled on the side of twelve misty mountains. I've walked and I crawled on six crooked highways. I've stepped in the middle of seven side forests. I've been out in front of a dozen dead oceans I've been 10,000 miles in the mouth of a graveyard And it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard rain are gonna fall a hard rain's gonna fall. It's such... Dylan's lyrics are brilliant. Um, sometimes his voice, you can go, what What did you see, my blue-eyed son? What did you see, my darling one? I saw a newborn baby with wild wolves all around it. I saw a highway of diamonds with nobody on it. I saw a black branch with blood that kept dripping. I saw a room full of men with their hammers are bleeding. It's just... 
a brilliantly bitter anti-war, anti-nuclear song. That and With God on Our Side, I, I regard as two of my favorite protest songs. So a room full of men with their hammers a-bleeding I saw a white ladder all covered with water I saw ten thousand talkers whose tongues were all broken I saw guns and sharp swords in the hands of young children And it's hard, it's hard it's hard, and it's hard, it's hard rain, gonna fall. And then this is one of my favorite love songs. How did I meet you? I don't know. A messenger sent me in a tropical storm. You are there in the winter, moonlight on the snow, and on Lily. On lane when the weather was warm. Sarah, oh Sarah, Scorpio Sphinx in a calico dress. Sarah, oh Sarah, you must forgive me my unworthiness. Now the beach is deserted. Except for some kelp and a piece of an old ship that lies on the shore. You always responded when I needed your help. You gave me a map and a key to your door. Sarah, oh Sarah, glamorous nymph with an arrow and Sail on Sarah, and it just, you were all, but his partner, you, it's from the album Desire, you were always so close and still within reach. Sarah, whatever made you want to change your mind, Sarah, so easy to look at, so hard to define, so easy to look at, so hard to define. For me, the first song is the protest song, the second one's a love song, a beautiful song. And then there's his Scottish song. Don't you know Dylan's Scottish song? It's a song called Highland. It's on Time Out of Mind in 1997, and it's the longest known studio recording at 16 minutes and 31 seconds. And it's based on a Burns poem. Well, my heart's in the highlands, gentle and fair, honeysuckle blooming in the wildwood air, bluebells blazing where the Aberdeen waters flow. Well, my heart's in the highland. I'm gonna go there when I feel good enough to go. Day 
just gets too late to learn. Well, I'm lost somewhere. I must have made a few bad turns. My heart's in the highlands, wherever I roam, that's where I'll be when I get called home. Love it. And then it's interesting, in all the tributes that I read, virtually none of them mentioned his Christianity. Now, some would say his Christian period. Um, I find it difficult to believe that someone could write this song and not be a Christian. You may be a preacher, preacher, spiritual pride. Maybe a city councilman taking bribes on the side. Maybe working in a barber shop, you may know how to cut hair. Maybe somebody's mistress, maybe somebody's heir, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, you're gonna have to serve somebody. Serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Serve somebody. Might like to wear cotton, might like to wear silk. That was got to serve somebody. And then I'm going to leave you with, for me, my favorite Dylan song. One of my favorite songs of all time. It's fabulously poetic. He himself, it's from the album Shot of Love. He himself says, this was an inspired song that came to me. I felt like I was just putting down words that were coming from somewhere else. And I just stuck it out. In the time of my confession, in the hour of my deepest need, when the pool of tears beneath my feet flood every newborn seed, there's a dying voice within me reaching out somewhere, toiling in the danger and in the morals of despair. Just every verse is perfect. I have gone from rags to riches in the sorrow of the night, in the violence of a summer's dream, in the chill of a wintry light, in the bitter dance of loneliness fading into space, in the broken mirror of innocence on each forgotten face. I hear the ancient footsteps like the motion of the sea. Sometimes I turn, there's someone there. Other times it's only me. I'm hanging in the balance of the reality of man, like every sparrow falling, like every grain of sand. Love it, I just love it. And uh, time's gone, so gonna leave you till next week. Keep sending in your comments, uh, any news. If you wanna support, go to the Podbean fundraiser. Meanwhile, God bless you and just remember, your hair is numbered like every grain of sand. See you next week. I have gone from rags to riches In the sorrow of the night In the violence of a summer's dream In the chill of a wintry light In the bitter dance of loneliness Fading into space In the broken mirror of innocence On each forgotten face I hear the aging footsteps Like the motion of the sea Sometimes I turn, there's someone there Other times it's only me I am hanging in the balance of the reality of man Like every sparrow falling 
black 